Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Alrighty. Hello, everybody. My name is Stevie Kim here. Today is a very special recording session of Clubhouse because I'm sitting in the same booth as Cynthia Chapman, who will be your moderator. Ciao, Cynthia. Hey, Stevie. How was that wedding? Fantastic Indian wedding in Isle of Man over the weekend. <laughs> I still have my henna. Oh my goodness, that's fun. So this is what we call the Ambassador's Corner, where we have one of our Italian wine ambassadors at large, and they get to choose their favorite Italian wine producer and do a call with them directly on Clubhouse. We recorded on Clubhouse, but the replay is where it really happens. We replayed on Italian wine podcast, wherever you get your pods. Ciao, Laika. Hi, Stevie. Okay, so how many episodes have we done so far in Clubhouse? Um, this is 110th episode. Wow, 110th episode. I think you deserve a little cheering there. There you go. Congratulations, Laika. From the very get-go, you are on top of this. We really appreciate all the hard work that you're putting in. So today, Cynthia, Cynthia Chaplin, who's my colleague at the office, She's also the podcaster for the Voices series on Italian Wine Podcast. But today is the Ambassador's Corner, and she chose Antonella Cantaruti. Indeed, I did. A very easy choice. I met Antonella a few years ago when we were both judging for the Feminilese Wine Competition in Paris. And I was all alone and sort of wandering around the room by myself before we got judging and I could hear this raucous bunch of women all shouting and having fun. So I wandered over and realized they were all shouting in Italian. And it turned out it was Antonella and lots of her friends from Le Donne del Vino, which I also belong to. So I introduced myself and she gave me this great warm welcome and took me under her wing and we became instant friends. And then it turned out she had a winery in Friuli. So that was exciting news. And a couple of years later, she was making sparkling wine in Rome. So I went to help her out with that. And we had... In Rome? Well, she was at a competition. She oh, wasn't okay. making it. Okay. And she is also the vice president of Le Donne del Vino. So lots of cool things to admire about Antonella. And she's great fun. So one of my favorite people. Okay, excellent. So what are the learning objectives from your call today? Well, there's a lot to learn, actually, because I want everybody to understand what it takes to be a successful small producer as a woman in Friuli, to learn about the unexpected sparkling wines that are being made there. People don't really think about that sort of style of wine being made there. 
and to hear about the challenges that the region is facing due to the climate change struggle we've had this summer and in the past few years, and also to gain a little bit of insight into the Donna Del Vino Association. Okay, excellent. So this is where I get to mute myself, but I won't be muting myself. It'll be Cynthia who will be speaking. You'll just see my face. You're in such good hands, Antonella. Ciao, Antonella. Hi, ciao, Stevie. Come stai? Hi, fine, thanks. Sto benissimo, grazie. Okay, so I'm going to leave you to Cynthia. You're in great hands, and I'll come back towards the end to see if there are any questions from our audience. Okay, take it away, Cynthia. Okay, ciao Antonella, benvenuti. Ciao, Cynthia. Benvenuti, grazie di questo invito. No, prego, prego. I'm going to tell our listeners a little bit about you. Um, Antonella started making wine in her father's winery when she was 19 years old, uh, so just a little wisp of a girl. She started out in the cellar, and then she became the sales manager for Italy and took on the entire export division uh, some years later. And I can tell you she is one of the most passionate persons about her wine and her territory, the beautiful Rosazzo Hills in the northeast of Italy, and she hosts clients and friends at the winery all year round. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making time to come on today. Hello, hi. Thank you, thank you, Cynthia, for uh, this presentation. I am very, very emotional for this occasion. Thanks a lot. Me too. It's always fun when when I get to interview people who are not just women I admire, but also women who are my friends. So I'm really glad we can do this today. I'm going to jump right in because, as I said, you're located in the beautiful Colli Orientali in Friuli near Rosazzo. And your dad started the Azienda Cantoruti Alfieri in 1969. So you and I were just little girls, obviously. You told me it all started as a dream when he was a little boy himself and he wanted to have a cottage where he could spend some time with his friends. So how did that dream grow into a whole big winery? Yes, the dream turned into reality through a lot of hard work and perseverance. And so now, how big is the winery? I think you've got about 76 hectares. Is that right? Yes. Correct, exactly. 76 hectares, yes, exactly. And you're working still with family, with your husband, Fabrizio, and your son, Rodolfo. So what's it like working with your family every day? Does everybody have their own role or do you get into fights? So uh, now Fabrizio has retired, but uh, still helps with uh, the day-to-day work. Each uh, one of us uh, has its role, yet uh, we discuss uh, everything together. Opinions uh, may strongly differ sometimes, but the outcome is always constructive. Sorry for my English, okay, because for me it's very difficult Okay. Your English is great. I'll help you if you get stuck. You carry on. Thanks, Cynthia. Thanks, Stevie. So we're looking at some very, very prestigious vineyards in this area on on the hills near Rosazzo, um, where you've got 33 acres. What are the grapes you're growing there, your most important vineyards? So we grow both uh, autochthonous and international vines, Pignolo, Friulano, Ribola Gialla are uh, autochthonous and uh, uh, Pinot Grigio are international wines. And uh, Malvasia is uh, 
autochthonous uh, wines. So the oldest uh, vines are more than 80 years old, whilst some uh, are brand new. Like our Malvasia, uh, last year we planted more Pinot Bianco and Pignolo. So who makes the choice of what's getting planted? What did your father plant at the very beginning? Uh, a few years uh, old, I think, I suppose, uh, 30 years old. And what did he plant first? And the first planted uh, Ribola Gialla and uh, Frigulano, and now planted Malvasia and uh, Pignolo. So who's making the choice of what you're planting, Antonella? Is it you or Rodolfo? Who decides what grapes you're going to grow? Together, because I have uh, a few experience in the world, and I think it's important to ask the, the consumer and the, the future of the wines. But I prefer planted autochthonous uh, wines. I agree with you on that one. They're harder to explain to the consumers, but I think they're more interesting. They speak a lot more of your territory. So I know how convincing you are with your consumers. I've seen you talk to people at trade shows, and you're amazing. So what else are you growing? I know you have another 21 hectares on the slopes of Friuli Grave, the DOC. What vineyards are in that location? Are they the same or different? Yes, the area is different, of course, because uh, the Friuli Grave is located in the plain, but Colli Orientali is in the hill area and the specific area near Abazia di Rosazzo. You know Abazia? I know Abazia, and I can't wait to come and see it very soon. Yes, and in uh, in DOC Grave, I have uh, only international wine. Pinot Grigio, Sauvignon Blanc, and Merlot, and in the Colli Orientali del Friuli, only the particular and specific and uh, high-level uh, quality, for example, Friulano, of course, Pinot Noir, Pinot Nero, Pinot Bianco, and absolutely the aristocratic red wine, it is uh, Pignolo and Merlot. I didn't know you were doing a Merlot. Uh, when did that start? Ah, the Merlot are very old because I remember the first uh, uh, vintage, I suppose, were, was uh, 1974 or 75. I was very, very young, young. But I know, I I know. Was, we, were just, we were just babies when that happened. <laughs> yes, I was baby, yes, absolutely, yes. Well, let's talk about the Pignolo for a minute. As you said, it's a it's a very noble red grape, um, very important in the area. Let's talk a little bit about the history of Pignolo, because I'm not sure everybody who's listening knows about it that much. What can you tell us? Pignolo is very particular red wine. was uh, forgotten uh, 18 years ago, but only... Uh, that regards uh, few uh, producers uh, develop uh, this, uh, this vine. And uh, in this moment are only 16 uh, wineries that produce uh, Pignolo. And uh, Pignolo is very, very interesting red and particular and aristocratic red wine. For me, 
is not the same uh, with uh, Brunello di Moltancino, but I suppose uh, is uh, a small brother of uh, Brunello di Montalcino. And uh, I hope in the future Pignolo develops uh, the one of the best red wine in Friuli Venezia Giulia. I love that story. Uh, what's it like in the glass? You said it's like a, a little brother of Brunello. So are you aging it in wood? What does it taste like when I have it in my wine glass? Yes. Uh, so for that regards, uh, my, my wine, uh, Pignolo, stay uh, many years uh, in the barrel. And then I come back uh, and go in the cement, uh, in the big cement. And then I come back in the wood and so have a good... Uh, of good life uh, and the stay, I suppose, for eight, uh, ten years uh, in this uh, container, okay, in the cellar. And after eight, uh, ten years, I put in the bottle, okay. And now the my uh, vintage that I sell in the in the market is two thousand and eight. Uh, is fantastic. Is a uh, very very softy. And the tannin are very, very harmonic. Uh, is complex wine. I love this because it's uh, similar at the silk. Okay. Wow. So how many bottles of that are you making? In this moment, I produce only 4,000 bottles. Uh, okay. 4,000 bottles a year. That's very tiny. Are you exporting it at all? Or is everybody in Friuli yes. keeping it for themselves? No, no, no. no. Uh, my presence in Friuli is uh, zero. But I sell my wine in the market. In this moment, I sell my wine in nine different countries. Start from Japan and I arrive to Brazil. Okay. And it's very important, the export market for Cantaruti wines. Wow, that's, that's a huge export. How many bottles total are you making per year? In one year in the medium, I produce 100 thousand bottles uh, in a different uh, variety. Wow. Okay. That's yes. that's fantastic. That's fantastic. In just 76 hectares. That's amazing. Yes. But I sell grape and moss and wine to another winery, of course. Okay. I produce for me, for my myself, and then I sell grape, wines, and the most to another winery in Friuli and in another region. That's so interesting. Do do you see growing the cantina at all? Do you think you'll buy more vineyards in the future? No, no, no. I would like to conserve my my history and my vineyards, okay? For uh, maintain uh, identity, quality and uh, Authenticity is correct in, in English? Authenticity? Yes, authenticity. Oh. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've had the joy of tasting some of your wines, I'm not, although not all of them. I'm looking forward to that Pignolo. But uh, they are very expressive of your terroir. Yes. Um, in general, when, when people think about Friuli wines, they think about Pinot Grigio and, and Friulano. In your own opinion, What's the grape that you think is the most representative of your territory? Our region, most representative uh, wine is no drought, uh, Friulano. Friulano is uh, still going uh, unnoticed among the wider public outside Friuli. The reason is, uh, see behind, this is a typical bitter almondy note, uh, you know. 
But uh, on the contrary, I regard this characteristic as having great potential and uh, personality. Wisely, benefit. Well, I completely agree with that. I am a big fan of that bitter almond finish in your Friulano, and I think it lends itself to aging. How long do you age your Friulano? How long do you recommend that people keep it after they buy it? But uh, Friulano have a long life. Uh, I suggest to taste uh, Friulano, for example, the normally vintage. In this case, I have uh, 2002. But for 2022, it's very, very interesting if you have the possibility to taste uh, the vintage old. For example, start uh, with uh, 2014 or 16 is good, good, very occasion for to compare the note, uh, the Friulano. And so that's I, over 10 I, years I, old. The 2000, the 2014 yeah. is almost 10 years old. How is it tasting now? Because when I think of Friulano, I do think of a, a fresh, acidic wine. How's, how's the older well, vintage doing? First note is that uh, my Friulano stay all only in the steel okay is no i don't use a barrel for my fulano okay but it's very interesting that the old fulano because body is very fat is very complex but is not heavy and maintain the acidity and remember the fruit and the citrus and pompelmo in italy it's grapefruit that's grapefruit okay and and maybe lychee. So really complex, lots of things. Yes, lots but it's very as lovely with food because I suggest to drink my wine with food, international food and the local food. It's okay. What's your favorite local dish to eat with your friulano? Oh, ham, of course, San Daniele <laughs> ham, of course, and. Uh, and particular cheese of local region, and the name is Montasio. Montasio cheese. Okay, I'm writing this down yes. because I'm going to have to go shopping after this. Uh, and pizza, and don't forget pizza, because pizza is good comparing with the wine. I agree with that. I think, I think pizza and wine, certain wines, especially high acid wines, go really well with pizza. But uh, with pizza, I suggest uh, rosato. I love rosato. I produce rosato with the uh, Merlot grape. We're going to get very, to very... that. You know my, my passion for rosato. We're going to get to that. Yeah. So before we get there, since we're talking about food to eat you know, with pizza and things like that, you are making some sparkling wines, and I have a real passion for your sparkling wines. They are yes. a really nice trio. They're called Prologo, Dialogo, and Epilogo. So I love the story. Who came up with the names? What was the idea? So you remember that uh, uh, in, in the past, uh, uh, Spumante drink, uh, for example, many, many years ago, uh, in the hand of uh, dinner, okay? Ben, and then uh, uh, if you think, uh, is the epilogue of uh, one uh, idea or one uh, discussion. And so is the, the epilogue is uh, the hand, okay? And this is our, the idea of my father to give the, the name of to my Spumante Metodo Classico, okay? And the base of uh, this uh, wine is only 100% Pinot Noir. But uh, 
uh, right after that uh, came uh, and, uh, our rosé, okay, because I produce uh, rosé with Pinot Noir, but make uh, the grape make maturation in uh, the most with the skin, and so started the, the color, the special color, and so the name is uh, uh, Prologo. Yep. The beginning. Absolutely, the absolutely. So the prologue at the beginning, uh, yes. and then the epilogue at the end. So how about the dialogo, the dialogue in the middle? Yes, but dialogo is the newborn, okay? Because start uh, your process in the 2016, and uh, dialogo is in the in the middle, okay? And there is a wine. Uh, uh, with the Pinot Noir and Pinot Bianco grape, uh, okay, is uh, my idea, this name, idea, sorry, because I stay in the middle of uh, epilogo and prologo. I think that's a great way to discuss it, too, because when you're having your dinner and you start off with your with your nice rosé and then you end with your Blanc de Noir, your epilogo, Having this dialogo in the middle is really interesting. I, I like the thought of this. And I, I love the thought that you can have an entire meal all with sparkling wines. Is that something you do with your clients a lot? Yes, my clients love the dialogo and the, the special uh, customer love the epilogo because epilogo is similar with the champagne, Okay. I because want to know why why you've put it at the end. I, I like sparkling wine at the end of my dinner too, but this particular wine, Epilogo, which is it's a champagne style, it's Methodo Classico. <laughs> How many months is it spending Sulieviti? How many months on its leaves? Uh, yes, my, my Epilogo stay on the leaves uh, for 90 mesi. 90? 90, 90, 90. Yes, exactly. Wow. 90, the new vintage... Now, I sell the vintage of my epilogue now is uh, 2009, and the vintage of uh, prologue is uh, 2007, and the vintage of dialogue now is uh, 2006. They're all Methodo Classico, and they're all spending quite a lot of time, Sulievidi, on their leaves. Yes. Tell me about this epilogo at the end of the meal. 90 months on uh, Sulievity. Yes, 90 exactly. months on the Yes, 90. Yes, 90. So this is a very structured wine. It's got autolytic character, I'm guessing. It has to have that toasty, crusty. Why would you have this at the end? I love this idea. What does it do for you at the end of the dinner? No, but uh, epilogo in the past uh, was in the hand of dinner. But now I suggest to drink this wine during uh, the dinner, for example, only with a special dish. For example, foie gras on the special blue cheese. No, for aperitif or with uh, pasta or with the mozzarella, of course, because epilogo is very, very strong, okay? It's very complex. It's, and remember, for example, the spicy fruit or uh, dried fruit and is very, very complex, but it's very nice because don't have residual of sugar and is dry. It it's sounds, no sweet. Sounds like I need to come and have some dinner with you with epilogo and foie gras. <laughs> that sounds ideal. Yes, I love it. Epilogo and foie gras is a one must for me. 
So you said that your it was your father's idea to make these sparkling wines, and you carried on the idea. What made you decide to carry on and come up with Dialogo all by yourself? This idea was because uh, uh, many, many, many people loved uh, my method of spumante, but uh, epilogo and prologo was very, very strong for the normal customer. And so as uh, I started one day to begin and produce another method classico, but uh, easy or accessible for all clients or customers. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Uh, so not too much uh, aggressive and uh, soft uh, and uh, a little bit lighter. That's the one with the Pinot Bianco, is that right? 30% yes, Pinot Bianco. And for, uh, exactly. And for this case, I insert in this uh, uh, dialogo Pinot Bianco because Pinot Bianco is uh, is white grape and have uh, lighter characteristic and elegance and fruity. And so it's good balance uh, with Pinot Noir. And the algos stay only three years uh, on the leaves. So not, not as complex, as you said, a little bit more accessible. No, it's, not complex. it's very easy for many, many customers. And the bubbles are very, very small and uh, very, very expressive. That sounds beautiful. And I, I haven't had it for a while, so I'll have to, I'll have to try it again. Uh, I remember yes, it having a nice floral aspect to it, too. So, yes. Well, exactly. And I know, you know, you mentioned your rosati, your rosés before, and Prologo is the rosé of the sparkling. But, you know, you know I have this special place in my heart for Italian rosé wines. And you are making, you mentioned it already, a still rosé as well, a rosato EGT with Merlot. Mm-hmm. So why, why did you choose Merlot for that? So my father started producing rosato in the 18s. Red red grapes make possible to obtain just the right color, the most pleasant. Vivint and bright pink, why Merlot? This grape gives rosato a softer aroma compared to a red. In the future, I see for the wine is no one of temporary. The trend, okay, is a new trend. I think so, too. I don't think that uh, rosé wines have to all be pale pink and and all from Provence. Tell us a little bit about your your rosato. So when I have it in my glass, what what color is it and what does it smell like? What does it taste like? So rosato, for me, remember, okay, the the big uh, red uh, fruit uh, in the woods. Yes, in the, the fruits of the forest, yes. Yes, correct. And uh, I like a bit uh, herbs, aromatic herbs, but uh, the particular of uh, rosato is the color. It's no lighter color, it's interesting color. And uh, in the middle, um, the pink and uh, red, okay? Because uh, the grape uh, stay in maturation with most, uh, and so I take uh, the color. That sounds and, good, and and probably adding more aromas and more flavors as well for extract uh, the color, yes, uh, of the skin. So, what do you think we can do about Italian rosé? 
mean, you know I'm writing. I write about them all the time. I'm writing a book about them. How can we promote Italian rosé? I know you're selling your wines, you said, in nine countries. How do you sell your rosés outside of Italy? It is very difficult to promote uh, rosé from Friuli, Venezia, Giulia, because many people love the rosato from Provence, and it's very, very difficult to insert uh, rosato in uh, in another market. But uh, I sell in this case uh, rosato in the north, uh, in the north uh, uh, Europe, because I love the the fresh, the clean. In the Netherlands is the most popular. In the Switzerland, I sell many, many bottles of uh, my rosato. And I think we have to educate people more about Italian rosé and why they have more color and why they have more acidity. There's such a wonderful world of Italian rosé. We should be talking about it all the time. So I'm glad that you're selling it outside of Italy. You're being an ambassador for Italian rosés already. Yes, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I hope in the future start ambassador of uh, rosé in the world. Rosato from Cantarutti. Exactly, exactly. Well, I, you know, we're talking about the future, and I know your son Rodolfo is the future of, of your cantina. Yes, and I know he's yes. taking on more and more work for the winery. I see pictures of him working all the time. So what are your dreams for Rodolfo for the future? What do you want him to be able to achieve? Does he want to grow the winery? What do you think he's going to do in the next few years? I wish for Rodolfo to stay in the family business and uh, carry on with his family unique uh, know-how, okay? While at the same time addressing young generation and finding innovative selection for the production of our products. So what's his role in the winery? Did he study? Did he become an enologist or an agronomist? He's studying in the university, is an enologist, and work with us, I think now 10 years, maybe, and make experience in the winery, and then work with his father, Fabrizio, and work together. Fabrizio and Rodolfo work together in the winery and in the vineyards, and uh, I make uh, the um, general manager for control, Fabrizio and Rodolfo. <laughs> you're, you're in charge of them. They're in charge of the vineyard yeah. and you're in charge of them. That's, I think that's about the best way to handle these things. Does Rodolfo have any plans? Has he, has he got special projects? Is he arguing with Fabrizio or does he want to do new things there? In the last year, Rodolfo started a new planting of uh, Pino Bianco and uh, Pignolo in the front of uh, the winery in a beautiful position in the high hill near of uh, general quarter of uh, Cantaruti wines. Oh, right. So it's sort of the home vineyard, the, the ones nearest to the yes. cantina. Yes, exactly. Yes, in very near. Yes. I turn matters and start the new vineyards. When you come, uh, it's possible to show these vineyards. I'm going to change our subject just for a minute here because um, I do want to take a look at our our shared Le Donne del Vino experience. I know you've been a member for, for many years, many more than me. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this organization, what it does and who is in it, because I know a lot of people outside of Italy don't know about it, and it's very important. Um what, what has your role been? How did you get involved with Donna Del Vino? Um, what are you doing with them now? So I served as vice president for two consecutive terms. 
and I am now one of the association board members. Ah, okay. I didn't realize you'd gone onto the board. So you're you're never going to let yes. them go. You're going to stay with them forever. I started with the Donatella Cinelli Colombini for two terms. And now I am uh, present in the association with the Daniela Mastro Berardino, is the new president of uh, Associazione Donne del Vino. Yes, I spoke to her in the springtime, right after she became president. Um, what would the two of you like to achieve? What would you like to see the association do? I mean, we've, we've just had this terrible murder of one of our members in, in Sicily. Um, it's not the first time this has happened. You and I lost a friend a few years ago, a similar situation, a, a murder of, of a Donna Del Vino by her husband. Um, what can the Donna Del Vino do to support women in the wine world? And, you know, what are, what are your goals? Well, are we doing scholarships? What are we going to be doing in the future? So it's very big, uh, big uh, uh, problem because uh, it's a difficult situation about uh, the crimes against a woman. For example, is that of uh, three days ago, one member of Donne del Vino, Marisa. This is a very, very problem, stronger. Uh, I'm very worried about, uh, so it's different concept now. To spoke uh, with uh, another woman for the life of a woman, okay? I agree. It's so important. Yeah. And I think in Italy, we don't have a lot of associations that are made of women supporting women like Le Donna Del Vino yes, does. Yes, I think yes. it's very important to to make sure that we shine a light on on what Le Donna Del Vino does and to to help and maybe even have a voice to be louder about these crimes. It, it's just a terrible, terrible tragedy for Marisa. But the association itself does lots of good work and and has a lot of people in it. People don't know, not just producers, Lots of other people, uh, journalists, educators, people like myself. I'm not Italian. What's the goal of the organization? What What do you want the organization to do in general for for women in wine in Italy? Uh, next uh, week, uh, I have uh, one uh, important appointment uh, with the um, another members of uh, Associazione del Vino because uh, having online. Uh, meeting for the discuss of this uh, situation and uh, which uh, solution uh, start for uh, start uh, and defend the woman in the no in the in Italy in the world of course and stay in contact with another association in the world. It's it's so important this kind of work. How can women in Italy get involved with Le Donna del Vino? How can they join? How do they get involved? So it's very easy because uh, if uh, the women are, for example, enologists or wine producers or uh, owners of a restaurant and uh, give uh, to Associazione Donna del Vino one uh, request and uh, if have the characteristic of entry, is uh, is easy to entry. But uh, uh, it's important that uh, the women work in the professional of wine okay how, how many women are in the donna del vino now do you know uh now i is a big number uh, now 1018 is very very big association is one of the biggest of uh, association in the world of uh, wine 
Wow, that's fantastic. I'm so pleased that Italy is doing such a good job with that. I hope that it continues to grow. I know I've benefited from from being a member. You know, it's very interesting to talk to other women in the wine industry in Italy. It's not always easy. How did you find it? Just thinking back a minute, when you were a young woman working in the cantina, did people take you seriously as a woman taking over from your father? It's very, very heavy because uh, it's not simple to work uh, in this um, sector because the women is not too much considering. But now many, many uh, women study in the school and uh, have a good occasion for staying in contact with the men because uh, study, okay, frequently go in the vineyards and uh, taste and uh, go around in the world and sell many, many uh, women uh, sell wine for your winery and for another winery. Okay. That's true. Very, That's um, true. There, very, there are a lot more roles very, for women heavy. now. Very heavy. It's very heavy. It's, Since it's, very heavy. it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. I just wondered how it was in Friuli when you were younger. Do you think it's easier now than when you were young? Yes, of course, because now the world is explaining. Okay, but when I go to the school in my class, I are only with another women and the rest are only men. Okay. Right, right. I think a lot has changed since then. I, I think we, we're yes. handing over a, a better situation to young women now. But now is it all changed, yes. Thank okay. goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> it's very lucky for another women. Well, before I let you go, one last question. We're just in the in the middle of the harvest time, and it's been a, a very difficult vintage all across Italy um, and all across Europe this year. We've had hail, we've had perinospora, we've had all kinds of problems. And I just wanted to ask, how, how are the vineyards in Friuli? How is climate change affecting you? How's your harvest this year? Don't in Friuli is, uh, the climate is changing, but is in the world, okay. But uh, it's important for uh, make very, very attention to the change of uh, climate and stay every day in the contact with the culture, with the plains, okay? The plains. And uh, only the human is responsibility of this change. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And what sort of things have you done in your vineyard to, to help uh, the problems? Only for defense of vineyards and staying in contact and uh, in the, the plant of uh, Friuli Grave treatment and irrigation and uh, maintain uh, the cover to the plants, okay? So is uh, one idea of uh, Rodolfo, because Rodolfo think that uh, when the plants uh, stay cover, the grape uh, continues uh, to grow and uh, the work uh, for, uh, for the producer and... Tell me in the, Italian, the, tell me in Italian, go ahead. Continuare a mantenere la vita nel grappolo. Yeah, no, I understand. So the canopy, the covering of leaves, is very okay. important in Friuli this yeah. year 
to keep the I think everywhere I think everywhere it was so hot to keep the the water in to keep the plants safe to keep the grapes protected from the sun and from the heat so canopy management is very important I think that's I think that's a very good point not just irrigation and and treatment of the plants but managing the canopy that's a very very good point Yes, thanks. Sorry, Cynthia, but thanks a lot for your helping. No, it's my pleasure. I'm giving you a, a telephone hug. Thank you so much for being so patient and, and answering all my questions. I'm going to ask Laika if there are any questions yes. for you. Ciao, Antonella. How are you doing now? Yes, I'm fine. I'm tired now. Okay. <laughs> well, we've got two because more Because it's very, very too long, too long time that I speak in English. Yes, it's a good practice. Thank you so much for making an effort. We really appreciate that. So yeah, we've you. got, we have two questions from our listeners. First is from Giuseppe. Mm-hmm. See, so there's how's the harvest of 2023? That's his first question. So, for that regards, my winery, I start uh, harvest uh, 24 August and start with the harvest of uh, Pinot Noir for Method Classico. And the grapes are very nice for the, the prepare the base of Method Classico. It's important, no, uh, no degrees, but the balance of uh, acid okay malico and latico and it's very important the date of ph you understand i hope yes yes that's very clear so we've got another second question the second is easy or difficult it's easy for you i suppose okay perfect (laughs) the question is about signolo from andre batkilin he's our italian wine ambassador okay so if to combine the long period, ripening period, and your relatively cold northern region of Italy, do I understand correctly that the current global warming trend will give potentially a much more serious future vintages in quality, structure, organoleptic? He was talking about Pignolo, Antonella. He was asking about Pignolo. Yes, but this is a very, very interesting uh, request uh, because now Pignolo is in the plants, but uh, now in this moment the temperature is low and uh, last uh, day rain, not too much, but it's good for this grape. I suppose that start the harvest from two weeks and Rodolfo go to every day in the vineyards to taste the maturation and the status of Pignolo because it's very important for us the quality and the perfect period for the harvest. And every day my husband and my son go to these vineyards for taste the grape. Because it's very important, the timing for harvest. Uh, for that regards, uh, the global warming. So I suppose that for the future is a very problem. But um, I hope the engineers of uh, agriculture give us uh, one uh, uh, resolution. Okay. For anticipate harvest, but uh, 
I suppose that uh, if uh, anticipate uh, the harvest, uh, the value of uh, of grape uh, is not too much perfect. Okay, I research uh, the perfect uh, condition for Pignolo harvest and uh, together Merlot. Okay, because it's very very difficult to make now red grape wines. Uh, in this uh, situation, okay? Okay, I see. So, okay, I hope Andre Antonella um, answers your question very well, and she really made an effort to answer your question, Andre. Hello uh, so, there. <laughs> yes. So um, that's all for from the audience. That's all the questions. So. Yeah. That's it. And thank you so much for your time, for doing this interview yeah. with Cynthia. Thank you, Cynthia, for also introducing Antonella. Grazie infinite, Antonella. Grazie infinite per venire stasera. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> okay. So before I close the room, I want to announce that next week, we're going to have another Clubhouse Ambassadors Corner from Julia Stocchetti. She's going to be part of our team. She will be interviewing Francesco Rizzo at 5.30 September 19 on Tuesday. So that's going to be it for now. And thank you so much for your time. And thank you for listening, guys. Ciao, everyone. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.